Tonight on Throwback Thursday, as Tune FM celebrates 50 years, 1992. For the first time, Australia has recognised the legal existence of Aborigines prior to white settlement. We're looking at the historic Mabo decision, a landmark event in Aboriginal land rights here in Australia. European settlement of Australia was based on the premise of terra nullius, which basically means no person's land. This is Throwback Thursday 1992, helping Tune FM celebrate 50 years. It certainly is, and thank you for joining me. My name is Jake, and I'm your host for Throwback Thursday 1992. As per usual, wow, we're absolutely flying through the years. We're diving right into the 90s with a very significant year in Australian history in 1992. We're going to be focusing on a very big event in terms of Aboriginal native title, uh, the Mabo decision. We're going to focus on Eddie Mabo as uh, a man and what he did with his life. Then we're going to focus on exactly what the decision was, what the court case was, and what it means for uh, the Aboriginal native title and land rights that we know today. What are we now? Uh, that's 30 years later. Jeez, that's getting that's getting scary. Nearly 30 years later. Uh, so Eddie Mabo, he was an Indigenous Australian man from the Torres Strait Islands, so a Torres Strait Islander man. Uh, he was he's known for his role in this landmark decision of the High Court of Australia that overturned the legal doctrine of terra nullius. So terra nullius, in case you don't know, uh, it means it's Latin for nobody's land or no man's land. And essentially, it characterized all of our law with regard to land and title. And the theory behind it was that when British settlers arrived here in the late 1700s, it was empty. Australia was vacant. It was nobody's land. And therefore, the British were perfectly within their rights to put the flag uh, on the land and claim it as their own because there was nobody else there. Of course, as we uh, very well know, that was not the case. Um, and actually, it was it had been inhabited for tens of thousands of years before that. And so Eddie Marbo is uh, a very significant individual in the fact that his high court decision led to that idea finally being overturned. And it's, it's rather tragic that it took until the early 1990s for that to happen. Uh, Mabo was born Edward Koiki Sambo, but he changed his surname to Mabo when he was adopted by his uncle Benny Mabo. Uh, the adoption was part of traditional Torres Strait Islander adoption practices, and he was born on the island of Mer, which is also known as Murray Island, in the Torres Strait between mainland Queensland and Papua New Guinea. Um, he married uh, Bonita Nihau, who is a an Australian South Sea Islander in 1959. They had seven children and adopted three more. One daughter, Gail, is an Aboriginal artist and dancer who works with schools in, around New South Wales as a cultural advisor and serves as the family's designated spokesperson. Uh, Bonita Marbo died in Townsville in November 2018, aged 75, just days after receiving an honorary doctorate of letters from James Cook University for her contributions to social justice and human rights. Uh, and Marbo's nephew is also Anglican Bishop Saibo Marbo. But Marbo himself uh, worked on purling boats as a cane cutter and as a railway fettler before he became a gardener at James Cook University in Townsville at the age of 31. In 1973, uh, he and his wife established the Black Community School in Townsville, where children could learn their own culture rather than learning white culture. 
Uh, at the time that he spent on the campus had a massive impact on his life. In 1974, he spoke with James Cook University historians Noel Luce and Henry Reynolds. And uh, Luce said, we were having lunch one day in Reynolds' office when Koiki was just speaking about his land back on Mer on Murray Island. Henry and I realized that in his mind, he thought he owned that land, so we sort of glanced at each other and then had the difficult responsibility of telling him that he didn't own that land and that it was crown land. Koiki was surprised, shocked, and even he said, and I remember him saying, no way, it's not theirs, it's ours. And that's where we come into this historic decision uh, that would eventually uh, take place. In 1981 is when it all began. A land rights conference was held at James Cook University and Marbo gave a speech in which he explained the land inheritance system that he had on Murray Island. And the significance of this in terms of Australian common law doctrine was noted by one of the attendees, who was a lawyer, who suggested that there should be a test case to claim land rights through the court system. A solicitor based in Perth, Greg McIntyre, was at the conference and he agreed to take the case. And he then recruited barristers Ron Caston and Brian Kean Cohen. Uh, McIntyre represented Marbo throughout the hearings, which would take over a decade. The eventual outcome of that decision a decade later, it was a 10-year battle and it was a remarkable saga. Unfortunately, Eddie Marbo died on the 21st of January 1992 after a battle with cancer at the age of 55. Five months later, on the 3rd of June 1992, the High Court announced the historic decision to overturn the legal doctrine of terra nullius, which was a term that applied to the attitude of the British towards land ownership in Australia up until that point. We're going to dive into a bit more detail about the case, the Marbo versus Queensland case, uh, when we come back. But before that, we'll go to a song from 1992. Let's see if you recognize it.
In the Closet by Michael Jackson, another song from 1992. Welcome back to Throwback Thursday 1992. We're going to dive a little bit further into the Marbo case now that we've had a look at the man and what a remarkable uh, individual he was to take on basically the entire legal system of Australia at the time. But we're going to have a look at the decision now, which of course was made and decided on the 3rd of June 1992, five months after Eddie Marbo's unfortunate passing. Um, it's a very important decision in terms of the High Court of Australia. So essentially, by taking down the term of terra nullius, the decision recognised that some Indigenous Australians have proprietary rights to land in a legal form of ownership that we refer to as native title. So prior to Mabo, it was commonly assumed that the property rights of Indigenous Australians were not recognised by the Australian legal system. Um, that was derived from terra nullius. Basically, um, the courts just assumed or, or assumed the idea that the land was vacant when we got here. Therefore, Aboriginal people don't have any right to claim it. Uh, the High Court um, decided, though, in 1992, that Indigenous customary laws relating to land would now be recognised in Australian law, excepting for in situations where that law had been extinguished by subsequent British laws inconsistent with customary law, such as uh, subsequent grants of property rights, such as a fee, um, a fee simple upon the land. Um, the court held that the Crown possesses radical title over all land in the realm. However, that radical title alone would not extinguish property rights derived from Indigenous customary law. So while they didn't completely undermine the entire uh, British ownership of land that had been taking place over the previous two centuries, they began to recognise Indigenous customary law. This was a huge legal, historical and political moment in Australian history, particularly for our Indigenous Australians. It led to the legal field of native title, um, sub subsequent case laws like the WIC decision and the Native Title Act of 1993. It overturned previous decisions um, that had declined to recognise native title in land. And historically, it was a very watershed moment for Indigenous Australians who finally achieved formal recognition of their property rights by the courts. It was very controversial. It sparked public debate at the time. Western Australian Premier Richard Court voiced alarmist opposition to the decision alongside uh, a bunch of mining and pastoralist groups. But Paul Keating, Prime Minister of Australia at the time, praised the decision in his famous Redfern speech, saying that it establishes a fundamental truth and lays the basis for justice. So a very big decision indeed. The actual case uh, was headed by, of course, land rights campaigner Eddie Mabo, who sought declarations that the Merriam people were entitled to the Mer Islands as owners, as possessors, as occupiers, or as persons entitled to use and enjoy the said islands. But the Queensland government were his opponents. They argued that it was not bound to recognise the property rights of those people, as according to their case, the Crown had acquired absolute beneficial ownership of all land in the territory upon the law of England becoming the law of the colony. But obviously, uh, five judgments were delivered in the High Court, eventually deciding that Terranalius was not actually the case. Um, and this is a huge legal, uh, legally significant case in the history of um, Australia, essentially. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit further about uh, the aftermath, uh, what's happened since, where native title laws stand today, and then we will uh, bid you farewell from another episode of Throwback Thursday. Aren't they flying by? But in the meantime, here's another song from 1992. Let's see if you can name it.
Knocking on Heaven's Door by Guns N' Roses. Welcome back to Throwback Thursday 1992, where we've been talking about the historic Marbo decision, uh, which gave Aboriginal land rights and native title rights uh, here in Australia in the year 1992, unfortunately five months after Marbo's passing, uh, which was very tragic indeed. Now we're going to talk about exactly what it means today. So it's it's one thing to kind of say we overturned Terra Nullius in 1992, but what does that actually mean? And th they're rather complicated laws because... As we mentioned before, um, it was a little bit complicated. As much as it's it's a very good idea, and and we all I think everyone would unanimously agree today that terra nullius was a terrible idea to have, and that Aboriginal people should have native title rights. But what the court also recognised was that's going to be a bit complicated to implement. There's a lot of people who've bought land um, since then and have, have owned it for, for decades. We've got two centuries of history. Some people have just inherited it from their families. We can't just rip everything up and give it all back to native title because if we do that we displace hundreds of thousands if not millions of people from their land um, that they owned in what they thought and what was uh, legal rights so they had to implement it in a way um, that would recognize that native title without completely tearing the country up uh, at its roots so we're going to talk a little bit about what indigenous land rights in australia mean today so the term um, relates to the rights and interests in land of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So as we, as you might know, uh, Australian Aboriginal culture has uh, a very a significant connection to the land. Connection to the lands and waters is absolutely vital in their culture. And so this, uh, this battle that we've mentioned was to gain legal and moral recognition of that ownership and that connection um, that was of, of the lands and waters that were occupied by the peoples prior to colonisation of Australia. So as of 2020, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's rights and interests in land are formally recognised on about 40% of Australia's landmass, 40% which is quite large when you consider that absolutely none of it was recognized about 30 years ago. That's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. So to put it in really simple terms, according to the Attorney General's Department, there are fundamental differences between land rights and native title. Land rights are rights created by the Australian state or territory governments, and they usually comprise of a grant of freehold or perpetual lease title to Indigenous Australians. So the government gives them a a, a, a perpetual lease, which basically means it goes on forever until they either just choose to get rid of it or something like that. Um, they are given that by the government. Native title, on the other hand, is the result of recognition under Australian common law of pre-existing Indigenous rights and interests according to their traditional laws and customs. So that's not granted by the government that the law says that because these people in their pre-existing customs um, and traditional laws um, had native title over that, that native title continues today. So it includes all of the, the rights and interests relating to the lands and waters that it would um, that would that would happen if you owned land, say if you bought it. Um, it, it essentially, under the Native Title Act of 1993, um, gives all of the rights to those people for their ownership of that land. So it's uh, federal legislation. It's applicable to the whole of Australia. But the way in which the processes operate in each state and territory is dependent on the history of the land rights ar arrangements of that particular state or territory. So there's a little bit of... Um, 
sway in terms of different states and territories and how they apply it, but it is a federal law. It is throughout Australia. As we mentioned, as of 2020, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's rights and interests in lands are formally recognised on 40% of our land mass. And the recognition of Indigenous rights in lands and waters is fundamental to the process of what we call reconciliation. So massive, massive decision that the Mabo case uh, came to in June of 1992. Uh, that has given us today what we have in terms of native title and in terms of Aboriginal land rights. Um, it's an absolutely incredible uh, story and decision. And um, Eddie Mabo is certainly one of the most significant figures in the history of Australia overall, but certainly in the history of the fight for Indigenous rights uh, in this country. Well, that has been Throwback Thursday 1992. It's been a pleasure to be with you yet again to talk about what is a very inspiring and, of course, very uh, significant moment in Australian history. Don't forget to join us five o'clock next Thursday as we move on to the year 1993 and we discuss something significant that happened in that year. But in the meantime, I will leave you back to the music. Up next, we have Never Really Over by Katy Perry. Don't go anywhere. Plenty more to come here on 106.9 Tune FM.